I'm Daryl, compulsive overeater, and uh, wow, that uh, that that reading was uh, was really a, a good one. And of course, uh, uh, Stan knows what I'm going to share. And uh, as an opener, is we had a a lady who had been in program for a long, long time. And those of you that have been in the room, uh, the uh, Skivvy room, uh, they we have a. Uh, a long uh, it was a pew out of a church uh, originally and she sat right at the end of that uh, that 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 pew and it was uh, that uh, that couch like thing and she uh, she once made the uh, observation uh, she uh, her name was Judith, uh, was uh, Janet Dice, and she's passed away long ago. But she said, you know, the people that come into the program and the and work the steps, they get kinder. And she said she's seen it over and over and over again. And I started thinking about my my own history, my own personal history, and it was true. It was it was true that I, I that I I think the that one of the things that uh, is a real benefit that we never come in looking for, but uh, I think in one of our readings, it talks about an uninvited guest and uh, that is kindness. And, uh, and, uh, and I think that a, a lot of it comes from open-mindedness too, that, that as that, as we practice that essential, that it, uh, it opens our mind to things that we wouldn't have seen before. You know, on on the resentment inventory, it uh, uh, it and you know it, it asks us some uh, some really really good questions, and uh, and some of those uh, uh, some of those questions, you know, how how was I selfish? As in the fourth column, how was I selfish, self centered, self or selfish, self seeking, dishonest, or afraid? So, in the, the section on how I was selfish. I found out that uh, I was being selfish because I was only looking at things through my own perspective. I w and my sponsor told me, you've got to put yourself in the other person's shoes. To, to answer that, honestly, you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes. And I think that when I did that, I, I really got to see things just so differently. And it actually opened my minds not only to, to, to uh, resentment inventories, but to, to other people and, uh, uh, and just their point of view and whatever it is, uh, even if I disagree with it, it's still their point of view and, and, and who am I to challenge it? So I, uh, I, I think that open-mindedness turns out to be really an important part of this. It's interesting, you know, in Bill's story, Bill talks about the essentials. And in the spiritual experience, Appendix 2, it talks about the essentials. And the essentials in Appendix 2 are, are honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. But what Bill talks about, uh, and uh, and that's probably around page, uh, no, I'm going to say maybe 10 or 12, something like that in the big book in Bill's story, but he talks about the essentials as being a uh, uh, enough belief in God uh, uh, to achieve these uh, the, these changes and uh, honesty, and then he instead of open mindedness he puts humility and willingness, and so it's really interesting. I start thinking about that, and humility and open mindedness are pretty much the same thing if you really think about it. 
and uh, and and so it uh, it really uh, it really I think that that's why the open mindedness is so important is that it leads us to that place uh, of humility. Um, gosh, uh, my story. Well, uh, begins a long time ago. So I've been a compulsive overeater uh, all, all my life, and you know I've got a, a Ann made a a a, a uh, scrapbook for me and my program recovery. I don't know if this is going to show up or not, but there's me with Santa Claus as a little kid, and as you can see, I was already a chubby little kid. And let's see on this. I don't know if you can see this page here, but it it shows me at uh, at my uh, top weight or close to my top weight. I don't know if it was exactly there, but um, and uh, that was uh, probably that picture was taken around uh, 1979 or 1980. And um, at that point in time, I was uh, 39 or 40 years old, and I had, uh, you know, struggled with uh, with my weight all my life. I I had lost a lot of pounds. I'd gained a lot of pounds, and I always gained more than I lost. And and uh, you know, I think that when I uh, I guess to to just start start with a Reader's Digest version of of childhood stuff, my uh, my mom uh, and was very close to her sisters, and uh, they talked every day uh, on the phone, and uh, uh, and so they uh, and it turned out that I that me being a fat little kid, and them having very athletic little kids, that they were on her case. Why do you let them eat so much? Why do you let them get so fat? You got to do something about it. It's your fault. And so my so my mom was desperately trying to get me to lose weight so that she would look acceptable to her sisters i guess but anyway the only thing that she really achieved was that she made me uh, or opened me up to the uh, uh the concept of secret eating and uh, and that's what I, I that's what i did that was my uh, introduction to compulsive overeating and I she would uh, close the kitchen after dinner and say nobody's allowed in the kitchen well um, uh, in my bedroom uh, there was a uh, door that led to the half bath but there was also a door on the other side of the bath that that uh, led to the uh, service porch which also had a door that led to the kitchen so I would pretend that I was excusing myself to go to the bathroom. I would go in there, I would lock this side of the door and I would go out the other side of the door into the kitchen. And we had a bread box on the sink and I would read and I would quietly open it and I would reach in and I would grab two or three pieces of bread and I would crunch them up into little balls. And then I would take them into my, as I went, went back through my bedroom, I would put them under the covers of my bedroom and of my bed and so when i get I went to bed later that night i had to have depending on how many little bread balls i had i had a nice little bread binge under the covers and uh that uh that kind of behavior continued uh uh you know uh, through my teenage years and and into my uh my adult years and i and i've had people honestly say to me you know i i don't see how you 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 are so fat you uh you never seem to eat anything 
And the truth was that they they didn't see me eat the way I ate behind closed doors. And um, uh, and that was uh, uh, and so that that lasted uh, uh, up until the time I came into OA that I had times of where I had periods of time of where I had recovery and, and I I uh, lost weight and I thought, boy, you know, one time I tell you I was on Optifast the first time and uh, I uh, uh, I lost 156 pounds in nine months on that program. And I was, and I never felt more powerful over this disease. And I finally found the answer. And, uh, uh, and that was, and, and I was just so certain I would never let myself uh, uh, gain that weight back because I had always felt like I was cursed with being overweight that it, I never signed up for this, you know, and I, and if I could ever lose a weight, I'd never let it myself gain it back. Well, I lost the weight. I was uh, I, I I was at a goal weight, and and uh, they reintroduced food into the uh, into the uh, Optifast program, and that was uh, that was the the uh, beginning of the end for me. I, uh, I I fought it for maybe a week, maybe two weeks, and then uh, uh, the uh, the food just overpowered me. I. Uh, I had, uh, I, I remember actually make, making a uh, decision to give up trying to fight the uh, weight coming back on. And, you know, I want to tell you, though, that, you know, in the big book, it talks about pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. That's how I would describe that period of time of when I gained the weight back. I had lost 156 pounds, and now I was starting to gain the weight back. And uh, I would eventually gain back 150 of the 156 pounds and um, in a short period of time. So I binged my way back up. And people were the same people were that had been patting me on the back and telling me what a good job I was doing in losing the weight we're now looking at me very, very strangely, like, what is wrong with this guy? And, uh, uh, and you know what? I had the same question, what was wrong with me? And, um, you know, and I, uh, I, I finally, uh, it would be six years later that I would uh, uh, go into OA, and that happened after my last binge. My last binge um, was... Uh, in uh, 19, it would be 1987. And uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I had this binge behavior where or actually a ritual, a binge ritual that I had for Saturday mornings, I would go down to my office, and the place that our company didn't work on Saturdays. So uh, I would be the only one down there. And I would go into my office, I'd clear the desk off, and then I'd go down to one of these little stands that you find in uh, in industrial areas of towns, and and um, uh, and, it, and that's all it was really is uh, not much more than a, a stand on the corner of a, a, of a couple of streets, and um, I so I I would order a bunch of food from this guy like I was ordering for a lot of people and uh, like a crew, which was not unusual for somebody and to come and buy breakfast or lunch for, for a crew of people. And I made sure I had plenty of different drinks on the, uh, there so that he would know it wasn't all for me, which I wonder if he really thought that at all. He probably said, look, this guy, he's going to eat it all himself. He probably knew that. But anyway, so, but this time, 
when he put in, he put, he put it in a box and uh, because it was too big for a bag. So he's putting it in a box. And um, I would then take the box back to my office and then I would have the binge. And well, uh, this time I couldn't take it, wait to get it back to the office. I started eating it right off the, uh, out of the box that was sitting on the counter and people were looking at me and I was eating like I was eating behind closed doors, except, you know, I, I had been a secret eater and uh, now I was in the open and I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And, uh, and and that was my step one. I That was the first time I ever knew I was powerless over food and uh, because it had taken total control of me. So that was on a Saturday. Then on uh, the following Tuesday, my uh, ex-wife was in a um, uh, was in a uh, rehab place for alcoholism, and uh, she. Uh, uh, I went down to visit her, and I and they I, I get I got there at mealtime, and uh, and so I got to eat with them, and uh, I guess I. I was in that binge mode where I wasn't eating in secret anymore. And even though they didn't have an eating disorder uh, unit there, they they knew one when they saw it and they told her to tell me about OA. And uh, and I saw and she had been recovering uh, uh, by uh, through AA. So um, I, I and I had gone to a couple of AA meetings with her that they had at the at the place they they were there they uh, they had some meetings right there on the premises of where she was at and um uh, and so i i went to my first oa meeting on tuesday prince of peace church on covina boulevard and um i uh, uh was very hesitant in going in but a really kind lady talk about kindness uh thora uh, not uh, thora remembers her i know nora was uh, was her name and nora um uh, uh, saw me in the parking lot kind of debating is am I going to go in or not and she said are you looking for a meeting and uh, and of course she could tell that I, I needed one and uh, and she uh, took me in and she introduced me to, to the people in there and I listened uh, in that meeting and I, I, I heard people that had um, a relationship with food that I wish I had and uh and i and and there was also a happiness in that room that i wish i had and five minutes uh, thank you and uh and so that was the that was the 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 beginning for me and uh but i couldn't i i just couldn't stomach the the god stuff you know i just just wasn't going for that and so i'm going to my second meeting, which was Thursday night, and it was the intercommunity uh, uh, hospital meeting, and and uh, that meeting usually met in a classroom in the basement, but somebody else had taken over that classroom that night, and so they put us into the doctor's boardroom, and it was a huge oval table with real plush chairs, and uh, and I know that was God setting this up, and. Uh, and so the guy uh, uh, who was leading the meeting, he said, well, we're going to have a topic of miracles and everybody share a miracle story. So we're going to go around the table. And so when it, and, and I and, and I was really uneasy with these miracle stories, I was thinking that's a bunch of BS. And so when it came to be my turn, 
uh, I told him so. I said, you know, those are miracles. Those are coincidences. And, uh, and so they, uh, and, and so there was this lady sitting there, Rusty. I, I see her every once in a while in church now. Uh, she, she hadn't been to meetings for a while, but, but Rusty was there and, and, and Rusty said, you keep coming back and you maybe you'll see your own miracle. And the only thing that I committed to do was to go to the newcomer meeting the following Monday. But before that, Saturday, one one week to the day from my last binge, uh, my uh, ex-wife is now home and and they had told her that if she had gets the cravings for alcohol to uh, chocolate would help stay and so she made these chocolate chip cookies and she said, "Do you want some of these?" And I said, "I don't eat those anymore." And uh, I didn't know I didn't need them anymore. And I I knew that it was over, that the the obsession had been lifted, and uh, and I was done. I had only heard the steps read twice at two meetings. And uh, I, and I and 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 I, I didn't even own a big book. Uh, and here I was being having this this obsession lifted. And um, that's why I have a, a problem with that co commitment to abstinence reading. Uh, and we talked about this at the men's retreat, that abstinence is a gift received, not achieved. And uh, and and what we're doing is we're setting ourselves open for that gift, and the, we're doing the footwork, and we have to we have to do that, and but uh, uh, but God's going to do the work as far as uh, as far as relieving the the food obsession. It's too big for us. We don't have the power to do that. We don't have the power to achieve that. And uh, two minutes remaining, Daryl. Thank you. And and I know that that for me, that uh, I, I thought that when I came in that I could fake it and, and I could have what you guys had if I pretended that I didn't uh, have this uh, compulsion. And, uh, you know, I didn't have to do that. I didn't. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to pull it off anyway. I told you about my relationship with bread that uh, uh, from when I was a kid that bread yeah, probably bread and butter doubled the caloric intake of any meal that I sat down to uh, for most of my life. And then up to that point in time, and it would be three years before I would have a piece of bread. And I never made that commitment. I'm not going to eat bread. No, it just, I didn't need it. And, and uh, you know, Judy Hollis, uh, I had uh, heard her on tape and I've of course heard her in person since then, but, but uh, she, uh, she used to say, uh, if you can take it or leave it, you can have it. If you have to have it, you can't. And that was kind of my, my rule of thumb, if I could take it or leave it. And you know, the best advice I got was from my ex-wife, because after a year of not having bread, we were out to dinner and they had a basket of rolls there. And I said, you know, uh, Judy Allen says this to take it or leave it, you can have it. You know, I can take it or leave it. I can take it, uh, uh, bread or leave it. And uh, now I never would have thought of this, but she said, well, then why don't you just leave it? And I go, oh, I never thought of that. And so I did. And so it would be another two years before I would have a piece of bread. And uh, even today, I very, very seldom uh, have a piece of bread. And I used to I used to do lines of sandwiches before I came to program. 
I have not, I, I have a rule that I will not eat a sandwich that I made. And I, I made tons of sandwiches for my kids uh, when they were uh, in school, um, but I didn't, uh, didn't have to make any for me. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, and those are blessings that, uh, that, that come through this program. And yeah, I, I, you know, working the steps is really important. I had a guy at the men's meeting, we were reading one of the stories in the big book. And, uh, and, and this is a guy that had some, some experience in program. And, and he asked me the question, what's the difference? Uh, what does it mean to work the program? And I says, it means doing the stuff that the big book tells you have to do. You start at the beginning and you go through there and the instructions are there. They're as clear as can be. And your sponsor can help you guide, guide you through there. But you have to take the steps. We have step studies where we talk about the steps. We learn about the steps. But that's not working the program. That's learning about the program. Working the program happens between meetings. Those are things that you do with your sponsor with that big book and, and i'm telling you it works it really does and it, you, it opens us up to a new way of life that uh, uh that that we never even knew existed when we were into the food okay so i think that's about time for me and uh i'll get back to the uh the format thank you thank you for having me <laughs>